Hi, and welcome to the International Writers Network. And today we are privileged to have Ashwin Chako, who is a positive, playful author. He's also an illustrator and a motivational speaker. He's on a mission to champion creativity to shape culture through talks, books, videos and workshops. It's a privilege to have you today, Ashwin. Welcome to International Writers Network. Thank you so much for having me here. And now there's so much more you do, but I just want you to talk. We always like to ask our writers when they come to this program because we're interested in their lives. When did you start to write? I think I would have been 12 or 13 when I started writing and it came from a place where I was being bullied and I didn't really know how to express myself and being an introvert I took to writing as a way to express those deep deepest feelings and uh, I used terms like metaphors to really bring to life some of the in emotional angst uh, <laughs> of being a teenager. <laughs> Right. Now, you said you were being bullied and that's when you started to write. Yes. What kind of things were you writing? Was it poetry? Was it fictional? Or were you just getting back at the bullies through creating personalities and then beating them up? I don't know. Tell me. Yeah, I suppose it would have been poetry, but I didn't know it was poetry because I always thought poetry had to be prose and like perfectly written in rhythmic lines, but it was very spoken word, let's say. Right. And I was using metaphors to describe those bullies <laughs> so I could hide it in case somebody found the book. <laughs> they didn't know I was talking about them. <laughs> you need to teach us how to do that. Because uh, to sue anybody. <laughs> That's fantastic. So... And and after that, did did that help you emotionally? Because I know writing is a kind of uh, helps people to deal with situation. Did it help you emotionally? Yes, one hundred percent. Before I started writing, I think it was my mom who had suggested writing. Before that, what would happen would be all the feelings would start bubbling up and bubbling up, and it's all bottled in. And then something small would happen that would just make me snap for no reason right the 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 straw that broke the camel's back as right. it were okay um, and so writing really helped me process those em emotions that i was feeling it helped me let go and so then those stuff uh would happen or would be stimulated by bullies or things people said or insecurities of my own and self-doubt then that would be channeled and funneled through my writing and taken out. And so then each day I could be refreshed and rather than being dragged down by yesterday's woes. That is, I mean, you've just given us an antidote for, for survival. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Now, that, before I go on to this next question, yeah. after that, where did it go? I mean, you didn't go to any writing school. I mean, did you have, because some people have schools whereby they encourage their writing anyway. So is yeah. that how you, and they, how you're able to write those things so vividly and imaginatively that really helped you? Because you're not going to any creative classes, are you? Yeah, there was an after school club in my high school that had a writer's club and so I was a part of that and that's when I discovered those right that the writings that I had were actually poetry right. <laughs> so uh, that's that's as far as formal education goes when I was going to leave high school my path was either if I didn't get into arts I would end up doing English and and pursuing writing 
but uh, fortunately for me, arts was what I wanted to pursue and I was able to get into the college that I wanted to. So and then, so you just left the writing. Did you just leave the writing? Because now, obviously, you're in a high, you're in a high institution. You're doing the work you want to do. There's no more bullying. Yeah. So what happened to your writing then? It just vanished. It, it it was there in sporadic moments where, again, where emotions were high and I had to process information. I'd turn to writing to assess myself, and then uh, it would just go back into the ether as it were. <laughs> and then like there was a small period where I was writing poetry consistently for I I'd set a challenge for myself a 30 day challenge and I'd got this tiny notebook that fit in the back of my pocket and so my simple challenge was to write a small poem that filled that tiny page <laughs> and so th that that was it so it, it became easy to do that for 30 days and 30 days rolled into 60 days and so it was like 60 days 60 poems you know <laughs> gosh <laughs> I don't know how good they were but <laughs> it was a way to express myself and pursue push my writing um, further than where it was but you never went into any kind of a course or anything like that just set yourself a challenge that is really discipline isn't it <laughs> and, no that is discipline then at the same time you're still doing your art yes. um, degree um, course that you're doing yes you're still doing that as well now as I say Ashwin specializes in positive visual storytelling exactly <laughs> do you want to tell us a bit about that because that will link to your writing as well yeah I suppose uh, because I'm primarily an illustrator I use pictures to tell stories and so I find that there is so much more power in stories if we can visualize them as well as read the words and also hear it auditorily so if you have the three there's higher impact and so for me the positive side comes from my mission which is to bring joy and encouragement in everything I do and the visual storytelling side is from uh, the thing I'm passionate about, which is illustration and storytelling. And so the combination of the two is my sweet spot. <laughs> right. I mean, this is just incredible because you help companies connect with their audiences through your story, visual storytelling. And you're interested in uncovering social interactions um, that drives culture. Yes. So you're also an activist in, in different things as well. I guess I, I really believe that artists, no matter whether it's visual or written or auditory, uh, musical, we shape the culture we live in. If you look over history, right, every culture is defined by its arts. If I say Renaissance, what pops into your head? Yes, it's absolutely true. If I say Baroque, again, yeah. 1920s, and all these images pop into your head first. And so the arts really shape the culture that we live in. If you think about the movement of fashion as well, right? That's a part of the arts movement. And how it shifts between times really is on the cusp of what culture is doing. And so say in the 50s it was family oriented and so the clothing was modest and clean cut 
and there was a nice tone to it. And then as you go into the 60s and 70s, it, the culture is more promiscuous, and so the clothing gets shorter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of Mary Quant, you know what I'm saying? No, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Now, that, 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 that's, so we're going to talk about your visual later, but you also, you wrote books which are really quite interesting. Your book include Keep, Keep at It, Little Optimist, a little book about justice, which I'm really interested in that book. Everybody feels fear. And I think from a child's point of view, especially with my grandchildren, I thought that book is really great. And what wondrous shape, which I do have, what wondrous shape we have, which I think is a beautifully illustrated. And, I thought, and we could look at that as well. And then the last book that you have is What Do You Think? Well, the last one I just illustrated, I didn't write. Okay. Right. But all the rest I wrote. But all these books have such a such hope in them. Is that your desire? Because you said, you know, to bring joy to wherever you want. Is that your desire? The titles itself is like, everybody feels fear. Automatically, you feel, okay, maybe I'm going to overcome fear if I read this book. <laughs> <laughs> Tell yeah. us about one or two of those books, please. Yeah, so... Each of the books came from a problem that I saw that I wanted to solve through my writing. So Keep At It was really, came out of a 30-day project again. This time it was a visual project to do typography um, initially. And so it was 2018 and it was the big hand-lettered type movement. And I thought to myself, that looks really fun. I, I want to do that but I didn't have any typography work in my portfolio. So I was like, okay, what can I do to get work in my portfolio? So I decided to do a 30 day challenge on Instagram so I would be accountable. And I started illustrating these typographical pieces. At the end of the 30 days, when I looked back at all the pieces, I realized I was actually speaking back to myself advice that I would give myself when I first started freelancing because freelancing is tough. Mm. Uh, and so then I was like, okay, this, this, if I knew this information 10 years ago, it would have made such a difference. Why don't I put that into a book so I can help other freelancers in their journey? And the great thing was this was in my 10th anniversary as a freelancer. So it's like good timing. <laughs> it all came <laughs> together. Um, yeah. And then, so the other books, What Wondrous Shapes We Are, was again, a really interesting story, a personal story. So it was 2020 and obviously we were all restricted to our homes or our front yards. And the my daughter was playing with the neighbor's kid just outside um, our house. And in the summer she tans. And so she, the, the kid says, hey, you're black. She's like, no. I'm not black. My daddy's chocolate, my va mommy's vanilla, and I'm caramel. <laughs> oh my word, how beautiful. <laughs> Is so that what you told her? <laughs> I, I don't know where she picked that up. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's wonderful. <laughs> but uh, hearing that sparked this thought in my head, okay, how do we have this conversation about race, about everything that's going on in the world right now, but without being overbearing and serious about it with a sense of humor but hitting on the core point that in the end no matter what shape color or size we come in what's most important is that we are people 
And so that was what formed what wonder shapes we are. And I tell you, that is such a beautiful book because if, as I'm reading, I read it as an adult and it's for my, and also you have the colour side of it, the colour book of it. But I loved your pink. <laughs> I, do you know what I'm saying? So that's just a really unusual pink. But I like it because it wasn't too girlish. It wasn't, but it was just, this, I love the shades of the colours you use and also the shape. We talk about long and short. and all that. <laughs> How did it do that? And they're also very, um, it, the, the, the characters you used to bring them to life also made me smile. <laughs> Is that intentional? They wasn't 100 percent Yeah, it really made me smile. It wasn't too serious, like you said, but it really hit the point. All these beautiful shapes, beautiful colours that you, even you did with the black and the white. Now that that was just that that book is wonderful. Yeah, tell me more. What about a little book of justice? What was that about? Yeah, so after I finished What Wonderful Shapes We Are, a company from America called a kid's book about a publishing company reached out to me and said would you be interested on writing a book about justice and so a little book about justice is this very short almost thesis on what is justice and sort of walking through the uh, the simplification of it because often we hear words like justice and you wonder what is that you know <laughs> or uh, how do we teach that to our children. And so justice, simply put, is doing right for everyone, everywhere, um, doing the right thing, you know? That's at its simplest form. And do you have any illustration for me from that book? I f didn't pack that book. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, no, don't, don't, don't worry. People could get that from your website. They can get that, they can do that. And, and everybody feels fear. Again, that's one that's really touched me. Yeah, so... Everybody Feels Fear was written mid-2021 when we had just come out of the first series of lockdowns and then we were put back in lockdowns and it was really feeling quite hopeless for a lot of people. And I, I was finding when I was having conversations with a lot of adults, they were afraid but in that space of being afraid, I think a lot of times as adults, we don't realize maybe the kids are picking up on what we're going through as right. well, right? Because they're sort of left in limbo. We're not telling them everything. We're telling them some things. And so there's this kind of like elephant in the room that is not being spoken about. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted a way to address fear and to walk through the fact that it's okay to feel fear, you know? All you need is courage as small as a mustard seed. To be brave is not to be unafraid, but to move forward, even when it's scary. Oh, that is a good philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely for the adults. <laughs> and um, so how long did you, I mean, to, to put... To, Obviously, to write these kind of books, you have to walk. Have, did you feel that you walked in these yourself and so therefore it's easy for you to present in a very simplistic term so that anybody can relate to it, but also find relevance to be able to do it? Yeah, I believe that if you can distill a problem so it's understandable to a child, then everybody can understand it. And so the ability to clarify your ideas and thoughts and simplify them is 
extremely helpful and powerful because that means you can reach a lot more people, you can have a higher impact. I find a lot of times we put so many so much jargon into what we talk or we add so many fillers, but in reality we could cut that down into a simple sentence that could have that impact. Right. Do you have more of those simple sentences for us in, in your book? <laughs> Please, this is really good. Anything you want to leave us with? Love is the fuel of courage, for it compels us into action. And where love lives, fear cannot be, for love rejects all fear. That's good. And it's, it, I mean, how, how have people processed this book? What has been the feedback of getting that, that you've received from people who've gone to read these books? So far, the feedback, like, because it's a book that's published, I don't get as much feedback as if I had self-published it or something like that. But the feedback that I have got from people was that they found it uh, funny and it was a good way to actually have that conversation with their children about it without getting dark or heavy about the topic. Mm -hmm. So there is a lighthearted element at the start where you kind of poke fun at fear, at the silly things that a lot of us have fears about, and then laugh about it, and through that laughter then have the deeper conversation about that it's okay to feel that way, and that there is a solution. I think that's that's a really interesting point, you know. The fact that people can not fe can talk to their children without feeling that heavy heaviness come upon them and I suppose at the same time you're also helping yourself as well because if you don't feel heavy if you don't feel heavy you won't put it heavy on the kid but that's all been done in this book in the book that you've written yourself you wrote that so that we were able to have this conversation with our families with ourselves even you know <laughs> people buying this I'm really buying it for my kid it's really for me <laughs> <laughs> well I suppose so, all my books start with for my kids and I'm like how do I have this conversation with them <laughs> and then then hopefully by solving that problem I'm like okay other people probably have the same problem here <laughs> no, 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 how can we share that right. that's that's a good sharing and you know um, now before we end this topic what has been your take home by writing books like this what has been your take home you as an author that yeah um, you know what has been your take home what has been your Maybe let me say the aha moment that you've had as a result of writing these types of books. I suppose it just clarifies direction for me and it clarifies the things I want to say. Writing them and distilling them into something so compound ensures that the idea lives and, and sparks and has the impact that it needs to. So it, it, I think the biggest takeaway is learning to simplify my thinking so that I don't overcomplicate what I write so that it has the most impact for the most people. Right. And also all of them are illustrated, isn't it? That's yes. another thing. Yeah. So like a 3D kind of thing, was like 4D now with the storytelling. <laughs> so... so um, what is your next? Do you have a next book in line? I am currently writing a book called Just Start, and it's to encourage creatives on their journey because 
I find that the fact is we all have fear and we all have doubt, but when we allow our fear and doubt to prevent us from acting, then it's a monster we need to slay. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to write a book sharing some of the tactics and the things that I've learned over the years to deal with those things so that we start those projects that we were always created to start, you know, and that we push past that fear and basically provide tools to for creators to pursue their passion. Right. Now, that is a good point. If you met a writer who was just mainly on the word, but they didn't have the creative side of, of um, you know, artistic side that you have, would you be able to take their words and illustrate the way you illustrate for yourself? Would that be work you would do or you just illustrate for yourself? Do you illustrate for other artists, other writers as well? Well, the last book you mentioned was What Do You Think? And in that scenario, I illustrated for Matthew Syed, who wrote the book. And so I was just an illustrator on that, not the author on that. Right. So you. So this, I mean, because we're going to talk about your illustration. So this is actually available because, I mean, people look as good. I love the way it is. <laughs> so if somebody wrote a book and thought, you know what, I want you to be to illustrate because you have a way of using your strokes and your you know, your colors to make things fun, impacting, and you would do that for people as well. You would do that for writers. Yeah, if they would chat to my agent who then would bring the project to me. Okay, all right, all right. That's fantastic. That's great. So we can still have you, even though, you know, we could still have you as part of our, um, as an illustrator, because you do need illustrators to, to help you illustrate books and things like that. Thank you for that. Now, we've come very close to the end, and I want to know, is there anything you would like us to know more about your motivation to write in this way? I suppose it all comes down to my why, which is to bring joy and encouragement in everything I do. And so for me, I'm just looking for ways to do that. So areas that I am interested in and passionate about, maybe solutions that I see that I can then write about and hopefully help other people on their journey. Right, thank you. And what would you say was the most important lessons you have learned for those who want to go into their writing or freelancing? You know, some people write write for other people, ghostwriting, all the rest of it. So what would you say were the key things? Because you seem to be very disciplined, 30 days challenge. <laughs> what, what, would the, what, would the, what would you say was the advice? You, if you had three advice to give to people who wants to start to make it in writing like you've done. Well, I suppose number one is don't be afraid to make mistakes because failure can be one of our greatest teachers. That's only if we allow it to be a teacher and not force us down a dark hole of self-doubt. Okay, Mm -hmm. so you have to look at the failure and say, okay, how do I assess this so that I can be a better writer the next time around? Or what are some things I can do to tweak my ability here? The second thing is to learn to separate yourself or your identity from your work. Because when we, as as artists, as writers, as creators, our work is very much 
our babies. It's it's a little part of us that has been slaved over and suddenly we put it out into the world. And what happens when we put it out and there is criticism, it feels like a criticism of us as people. And so it's really important to make that distinction and separate the two because your value is not in what you do, but who you are. And so learning to anchor your identity in something unshakable and unshakable truth will allow you to then say, okay, my work, even though this is a part of who I am, it's separate from me. And so when there is criticism of it, I can take that as a way to grow rather than feel like a failure from that criticism. Right. That's lovely. And the third one. (laughs) (laughs) And the third one is your work is not for everybody. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) You are going to have people that hate your work and you're going to have people that love your work. So find the tribe that resonates with your work. Find the people who your writing is meant for. And that's where you'll have the largest impact. Oh, fantastic. That is such an encouragement, you know. <laughs> I think many people would be liberated just hearing that, that those three. So thank you for those three advice. Now, we have come towards the end, and I would just like to ask you, so where could we purchase your book? Do you have a website we can go to? Or do you have an Instagram yep. that we can get more information? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to give that you to can us find first? my work on wackochaco.com. So that's W-H-A-C-K-O-C-H-A-C-K-O.com. And I use the same handle on Instagram as well, wackochaco. Or you can look up Ashwin Chaco and I my work will come up on Instagram. Some of my books are available at your local bookshop in uh, Dublin. So if you're in in Ireland or the UK, everybody feels fear should be available locally. Right, fantastic. Yeah. More done. Congratulations for that. That's a very good book. Now, um, every every month we always ask people to talk about just for one minute, and yours is going to be probably less than one minute now. Um, the the word teacher, what comes to your mind and what would you like to share by that word teacher? To me, a teacher is a guide. They can't do the work for you. They're not supposed to. They're pointing the direction you should go. So a good visual metaphor for it is the Sherpa and the Everest. So the Sherpa does not carry you up the mountain. (laughs) He shows you the direction, he finds the best paths, and he guides the mountaineers up to the Everest. But the mountaineers, which are you, have to do the hard work of carrying your backpacks and walking up that hill and doing the training so that you can succeed at getting to the top of the mountain. Thank you very much. As you say, you're very, very good at what you do. Thank you very, very much. We've <laughs> Thank come you to for the having very me. end. It's been brilliant having you. And that was the wonderful Ashwin Chaka. And you could get more of him on his Instagram and his Facebook. 
And of course, if you're in Dublin, you can get this wonderful book, Everybody Feels Fear, and it comes highly recommended. Thank you for being with us today. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much.